Blog Talk Radio. Hello everyone, Rodolfo Roman of The Roman Show, the episode for the week of May 17th. Today, we welcome Haybreed on The Roman Show. We talk about the new album, The Concrete Confessional. This plus much more on The Roman Show, which starts right now. Step down to the get down. Alright, whenever you're ready. you're ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in the face. Booster, go. Retro, go. Lido, go. Fly. Guidance, Surgeon, go. 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 GNC, we're going. Tell me, go. Control, go. 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 We are going. Network, go. Discovery, go. Capcom, we're going. Fly. Launch control, this is Houston. We are going to launch. The Roman Show. With your host, Rodolfo Roman. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of The Roman Show. I am your host, Rodolfo Roman, for the week of uh, May 17, actually. Actually, the week of May 15, if you want to be politically correct on Sunday. Joining me on the other end, my co-host, Dashing and George Alonzo. What's going on, George? Wow, for once you actually get the name right, but you forget the rest. Voted number one face, of course, on Blog Talk Radio by all the women of Blog Talk Radio. My assistant not here with me today. Uh, she called out sick, but she'll have plenty of work to do when she returns next week. Yes, we do. And uh, what did she do? You told her last week to do your nails. I didn't really see that happening, man. Dude, what you don't see... Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that doesn't happen. Okay? So, next week, I'm going to make sure she massages my feet. Hey, everyone, and want to invite everyone to Gladiator Battlefield Championship number 3 this Saturday, May 21st. I'll be ring announcing the event. General admission starts at $25. It's going to take place at the United Martial Arts Academy at 230 North Chrome Avenue in Homestead, Florida. That's 230 North Chrome Avenue, Homestead, Florida, and general admission is $25, May 21st, 2016. That's Gladiator Battlefield 3 Championship. Come watch yours truly. Go ahead and announce and fuel the energy at the Gladiator Battlefield Championship number 3. I actually had the pleasure of uh, announcing at the House of Fame uh, two weeks ago, so I'm back at it there at Inside the Cage. So head on over uh, to Homestead this Saturday, May 21st, Gladiator Battlefield Championship number three. See you there. By the way, if you guys want to go ahead and um, suggest something or leave a message, we'll play it on the air. Head on over and call our hotline. That's 786-942-9424. 786-942-9424. And we'll play your message right here on the air. Perhaps you have something you want to talk about what we have spoke or maybe you want to have a conversation uh, or let us know. Just 786-942-9424 or send us a message via Twitter at The Roman Show and uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Roman Show Media. But George, want to get this out of the way, Athlon Rub and all natural sport rub brings the, na- the martial arts time-tested tie oil to all serious athletes. Made in the United States of America from an FDA and GMP certified facility, athletes will now have a trusted source and steady supply for Thai oil to aid in their warm-up, training, and recovery. Warm better, train harder, recover faster. AthlonRub.com. In fact, I used it last night, and I'm feeling brand new. But I will tell you this, George. There's lots of action to talk about, so let's get things started here with MMA Showdown. Ladies and gentlemen... Listeners all around the world, welcome to The Showdown. Well, George, the news, the biggest news I would say is that Fabrice Verdum, who said prior to his fight against the new champion, Sight Matrix, he said, I want to be known as the top heavyweight champion of all time. He wants to go down in the history record books. Well, that ain't going to happen because Stipe knocked him out in the first round. And he got caught. Many people thought that Verdum had fixed up his boxing, which he has. He, he did crisp it up. However, Stipe was just too much better than that. And he caught him where the sun don't shine. And 
one thing is, you would say that he wanted a rematch, but here's my thing, George. Fabrice Perdue defended his title a couple of times. I mean, it was two times, actually. You know, he won it against Hunt, then he defended against Kane, okay, he won there. That, and, and technically, he didn't defend it for the unification. So, really, he, he was really defending it now for the first time against Stipe. So, here he is, he's asking for a rematch. This right here does not fall into that place. Kane at the time, he got, he was going to be given a rematch, but because, look, he was a champion for, for a pretty lengthy time. Anderson Silva, he rightfully so deserved a rematch. I got out the title for a long time, just as Ronda Rousey. I mean, all these guys play a role. But now Fabrizio says, hey, give me a title shot. I think that the guy should be next in line. It should be Alistair Overeem against Stipe. And, of course, that fight could go, in my opinion, onto Stipe because of Alistair Overeem. Of course, he'll deny it. His weak chin. We've seen it. He's been knocked out before. Bigfoot Silva. Let, the, let us know that. He showcased that. Either way, George, want to point out here that Stipe is your new champion. Many people didn't really see that. They saw this as a, as a huge surprise, but those in the industry were not because the pundits knew that Stipe had a better hand, especially with that reach. So we have a new UFC World Heavyweight Champion. Now he is the baddest man in the planet. And the best thing about it, George, is he did it in Fabrizio Verdum's native country of Brazil. Well, huge congratulations, first off, to the new uh, UFC World Heavyweight Champion, Stipe. Uh, but here comes to show you that, you know, the kind of thing I've been talking about for weeks. You're, you're talking about the experience that Verdum has over Stipe. And Verdum has many more years under his belt where Stipe is kind of like that new young blood. He's kind of like, oh my God, the future face of the UFC, the future face of MMA. Altogether, I've been saying this for years. Sometimes, doesn't matter how much more experience you have, sometimes these young lions that are coming into the octagon are going to surprise you because they are a lot younger, their heart is a lot bigger, their stamina, their, their strength, etc., their reach. So this proved another point to my, my constant weeks of talking. And Stripe, Stripe, you know, made made a point that he knocked out Verdum in one of the fastest knockouts we've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Because no one saw it coming. How many times did we ever see an MMA fight where someone's literally rushing forward, pushing someone against uh, against the fence, and no one gets knocked out? How many times have we seen that? Except this time... We actually saw it happen in one of the fastest knockouts in UFC I have ever seen. So basically, my point is, yeah, Verdum has plenty of experience. I'm not taking that away from him. But this man was a younger lion. He was hungrier, and he got it. And he sure did. And now we move forward and possibly getting now Stipe versus Alistair Overeem at a near future pay-per-view. <laughs> Moving forward... Conor McGregor, we all have heard about the talk, this ridiculous talk of him uh, fighting Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. We don't know yet. This is all speculation. Floyd had went on the air and said, hey, I want to make it happen. It could happen. we got to talk about the money. According to Floyd, he was going to get $10 million. No word on how much Conor was going to get. Conor has tweeted some messages, cryptic messages. In fact, he posted a picture of him and uh, actually his boxing Reebok shoes saying preparing for action or preparing for training now here's the thing he's also gone and trained at different gyms one of them being Tony Ferguson a top light lightweight in the UFC so Connor posted this picture and he said oh standing standards and locations for others to follow and then Tony replied on a tweet and said you rented the gym I train at with my trainer hashtag back to Ireland trader so not not too many people like Conor McGregor but I will tell you this whether when and when the heck he defends his title I will tell you this he is putting the name of himself of course and MMA up there because the guy just keeps getting publicity from left to right 
technically that UFC 200 was already sold because of all the hoopla around him not being in the main event. Well, that's what I've been saying. Like, I, I think we discussed this last week. You know, a guy like Conor McGregor, you know, yes, it, it's always a good business ploy to have, you know, your usual press conferences, to have your usual interviews, to have your usual commercial shoots, and et cetera. But when you have a name like Conor McGregor, you really don't need that because the guy could sell a pay-per-view by his controversy alone. And, and you're... you're you're witnessing it. You know, the guy's not on the pay-per-view and he sold it. Pretty much. Like, it's, it's, it's very, very ridiculous. And the fact that Dana White, you know, took it that far, like, I understand it's a business point, but I, you know, he didn't see the positive. He only saw the negative. Because think about it. As a businessman, you want to do... All you want to do what you need to do to fill those seats, to buy, get your pay-per-view buys. And he got them. But instead, he didn't look at it that way. He looked at it as, oh, he missed the press conference, he's off the USC card. Uh, Dana, he sold your damn pay-per-view. <laughs> That's all that should matter. <laughs> End of story. No, you're, you're right uh, about that. Uh, but I, I will tell you one thing about selling and buying and all these things, the talk of the uh, of town is that the UFC might be sold to this Chinese mogul, this Chinese millionaire who has already purchased or has some some stake into some other sporting teams or companies. And no official word yet. Dana White did go on a uh, talk show and said that about 75% of what was reported by ESPN is not true so about 25 percent of it is actually true so no word yet but you know of course the conspiracy theorists are going to go out there and say things but one thing is alarming is george and you have to agree with me dana white the fertitta brothers they were not in brazil and this card was huge it was in a freaking stadium they had thousands of people out there verdum was defending his title cyborg was making your debut you guys guys like jacare vitor belfort legends in that card, you got Noguera in there. Yet Dana White, Fertitta Brothers were absent, which kind of scratches my head. And like, as, as an owner of a company, especially that big of UFC, at least you want to have one representative of your company, you know, at one of the biggest events of the year. And especially with such a stacked card like that. So, does this give us a clue that, yes, it is happening? I want to say so, because it's kind of like a person letting go of, uh, you know, of their... Uh, how can I put this? Of their, um, of their baby, you know? Kind of like, hey, we need to detach ourselves. Great to see, of course, this is very, very new. No, nothing has been settled, nothing has been... Said, but one thing is certain is that if the UFC is sold, Joe Rogan, the commentator, has said that he will not be affiliated with the UFC if the company is sold uh, to someone else other than uh, the Fertitas, obviously, and then uh, Dana White, who's just the president. He does have oh, a part of the company, but he said he won't be doing any business with the UFC if it was to be sold to this Chinese mogul, this Chinese billionaire, or the other companies that are in the run of possibly buying UFC. And it would be a major dent into the sport of MMA. I understand that UFC is a promotion and MMA is the, is the sport itself. But I will tell you this, the UFC has put MMA on the map, and little by little they are expanding the sport. And changing of ownership could definitely leave a huge mark into the sport as to the future of it. The Fertitta brothers, Dana White, everyone else, they've done a phenomenal job in picking up the sport, making it to see what it is today, and just keeps getting um, bigger and bigger. Just hopefully things turn out to be on the good side for the UFC. If indeed it is sold, if not, then heck, we keep enjoying the sport of mixed martial arts, whether it's Bellator, WSOF, or any other regional companies, whatever it may be. We always appreciate it because, hey, we love the sport. We just want it to go down a good way, a good path. And although many people criticize the UFC for some of their doings, you got to give them credit to credit as due. They've done a lot. They've put this thing on the map. Lastly, I want to cover an ex-coach allegedly assaulted Matt Brown at a hotel. Files has been, files 
have uh, already been charged against Brown's friend uh, after ensuing fight. Now this happened, uh, Matt Brown, he lost to Damian Maya in Brazil in the UFC uh, 197 pay-per-view. But mind you, Matt Brown actually was attacked by fans as he was walking to the octagon. But he was also assaulted by this fan who turned out to be his ex-coach. His boys, his friends stopped him. And now the UFC is investigating into this. But definitely not a good trip for Matt Brown in Brazil. With that said, we're going to now welcome Frank Novinick of Hatebreed. Who talks about the concrete confessional. If you haven't heard one of the singles, AD or Seven Enemies, then you've been living under a rock because Hatebreed's new album is just absolutely awesome. It takes it back to that old school Hatebreed metacore action that is just going to be ringing in your ear, whether it's you're working out or you just want to smack someone in the face. Hatebreed, the Concrete Confessional, is already out. Check out the interview right after the break. Marlins fans, you don't have to wait for the 2017 All-Star Game at Marlins Park to catch All-Star Fever. Awesome this year. Every Saturday is an All-Star Saturday. I like it. Every Saturday home game will feature a bobblehead giveaway of your favorite Marlins All-Stars in franchise history. Charles Johnson, Jeff Conine, Mike Lowell, Al Leiter, Dontrell Willis, and many more. I do love those guys. Go to Marlins.com today and secure your tickets for All-Star Saturday. Bobbleheads will be available while supplies last. All right, everyone, thanks very much again for joining us here on The Roman Show, and it's a pleasure to have. You know, I remember seeing this band several times on here in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, The Revolution Live, uh, I believe maybe a couple of, four or five years ago. But I got to tell you, no matter what, these guys always deliver, whether on stage or whether it's inside while you're listening to your headphones. I'm talking about Haybreed, and we have the guitarist of the band, Frank Novinick, on The Roman Show. Thanks for joining us, uh, Frank. How you guys doing? Awesome, man. You know, I, I think I want to say maybe it was about three years ago I saw you guys here in Fort Lauderdale uh, at Revolution Live where you played a couple of shows down here. It's been a while, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, it's always great in South Florida. The problem, I think, with a lot of bands is they go as far south as Atlanta and then they start cutting across, yeah. you know, and they don't want to dip down. And, and, and you know, there's so many politics involved and in, in shows now and, and routings, you know, a lot of times, you know, the people say, well, I can't believe that you're going here, then you're going back here, and then you're going across there. It doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, there, there's so much involved in that world with, with promoters and shows on the same night and the smaller markets shows have to be on the weekends. It, it's tough, you know. And being a Florida resident, I really want to come down here and, and, and play, you know, uh, and get back to South Florida for sure. But because the shows were always great there, you know, and Revolution's a great venue down there. And uh, we're very happy that uh, that place, uh, you know, will have the <laughs> the rowdiness, if you will, that goes on with, with our shows. So I also do, Frank, so make sure somehow, some way you put it on your list there that you guys make a, uh, a trip down here to South Florida. Uh, to Absolutely. Pro- in promotion of the new album, The Concrete Confessional, which is out right now. You can purchase it on iTunes or any of the other areas that you may or listen to it on Spotify. I myself have had an opportunity of listening to some of the songs already, including Seven Enemies, Frank, man. that Just the beginning of that riff of that song. Just want to just, man, just want to... Get up out of your seat, you know, and just forget about everything that old school hate breed. You hear it in that song. Yeah, and you know, we we try to incorporate. You know, the thing about hate breed is the band has grown into this band from the small basements of America to a band that travels the globe and appeals to people in the metal community and, and the rock community and and even the punk community. And you know, we <laughs> we uh we have a lot of people to make happy when we make a new record these days and uh, we also have to make ourselves happy so you know you have a lot of elements on a, on a hatebreed record and I, I think the concrete confessional is a a good um, it has a good uh, it's a good interpretation of where, where hatebreed is in 2016 so um, you know the response has been great I was very happy with the songs that we chose to release before the record came out and get the hype built up around it and uh you know, it's, it's 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 cool when we put out a record because we, we're not one of these bands that puts a new record out every year. Uh, we will go and tour everywhere we possibly can in the world per record. You know, as where some of these bands, some of these places that we go, they, they would only go there twice or three times in their career. We're, we're going every record. So by the time that, that all that has gone by, um, 
it takes a couple years, three, two, three years. So, you know, when we do put out a record, it's a big deal. So, especially nowadays in the, where the music industry's crashed and, and people aren't uh, buying CDs as much anymore, I think it's even more important when a band puts out a record. So we're very happy with uh, everything uh, that's going on right now in Hatebreed. Yeah, I mean, it was just about, about three years ago, the last album, and it, it's changed. And now I see some bands, they, they put the entire album out before, like, they'll put like, a song or two, and then when you least expect it, all of it is on YouTube. So you don't even have to purchase the album. It's kooky, man. It really is. And, and as much as social media and YouTube and the internet will get your band out there, I think it's very hard for a young man to establish themselves long term now. Um, unless you get something handed to you and and you don't even work for it, and you're you're you're, you're this huge band, but. Or your, 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 or your management and your record label has a deal where they're in control of everything. But I think that we're very, with Hatebreed, blessed to have been around and, and been a band before the industry took a crap. We already had a household name in Hatebreed. Hatebreed had already been Grammy-nominated and mm-hmm. signed to a major label and, and all these things, you know, and sold 100,000, over 100,000 records on an independent label with Victory. And, and Jamie was hosting Headbangers Ball. All this stuff happened with Hatebreed pretty much before uh, the whole downloading thing. So uh, we're very fortunate for that because, you know, the, the band had branded itself in, 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 in the music industry. Uh, so we're able to continue now. It's just all at this point, it's about making smart decisions. And really, I feel like we can do this band as long as we want to do it. Um, as long as we don't, uh, you know, make any bad decisions along the way. And, and I think that, you know, with the things that we've seen go on in the past with other bands and just our knowledge of, of everybody that's involved in our camp, I, I don't see us falling by the wayside. But, uh, you know, again, it is like you say, where, where you see a band releasing everything on YouTube and the whole record's out and this and that. I mean, you know, I mean, for a newer band, what do you have to lose? You know, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get the records in the stores and people aren't gonna buy them and they're not, you're not gonna make a, a ton of money off your, 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 your CD sales. So, you know, you figure you get yourself out there in other ways. It's, it's, it's tough. So. Now, Frank, about the Concrete Confessional, and one thing about Haybreed and the mainstream media, of course, they look at Haybreed and they said, oh, it's just a bunch of angry guys screaming and shouting. But, you know, that thing that just gets me so upset. In Con- Concrete Confessional, there's so many positive lyrics in your music and with the band. And my question is to you, how do you develop with the rest of the band to create these positive lyrics to get other folks going through their daily lives? I mean, I, I, I've researched how much of your the lyrics the band's lyrics have motivated so many other people that are going through some hardships well you know i mean the thing about hate coming from the hardcore community is you have a lot of positivity in the lyrics now it's no secret that hate broken into the metal scene huge with all the things that have gone in the career with ozfest and, and and touring with slipknot and slayer and and corn and all these bands so I think that a lot of the people that are in, in that metal community and rock community, they don't, they're not getting that kind of vibe, really, from those bands that they're, they're used to seeing. So I think when they discover something like Hatebreed, it feels very intimate with them. And even if we are opening for a, a huge band in an arena or something like that, they feel like they're more one with the band and that, that we're not these big rock stars up there. And that, and that really is it. I mean you start to read the lyrics and, and read the positivity behind it. And, and we have, we're meeting people all the time who are dealing with like maybe a death in the family or, or like just, uh, something that they've gone through, uh, or people in the military. Um, or even if you're somebody that's getting up in the music and morning and using our music to go to the gym and do your thing, like it, it, it's all very gratifying and it's just part of what he pre does. Um, sure, and like you said, I mean, if you don't know, know anything about the music, you look at the name, you see the guys with no hair covered in tattoos, and you make your own assumptions. Those are the people that we don't want around anyway because, you know, they're not part of what we do. You know, it's all an underground community to me. It's all rock and roll, especially in this day and age when you have music that's made on a laptop and things like Kanye West and stuff like that. I just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's silly to divide all this stuff up. You know, the metal bands, the hardcore bands, the punk bands, the, the, the screamo, whatever it is, it's all, it's all one thing to me. You know, I, I, I just, the people that don't understand what we do and, and your normal 
society people that don't really listen to music except for when they're at work on the radio and they're never going to get into our stuff anyway. They're the people that we I feel we separate ourselves from. So, you know, uh, going back to, to what you said, I mean, it's it's easy for us to conjure up that kind of stuff because this is what we've been doing since day one anyway. If Hatebreed Bet put out a record and we didn't have some kind of positive message or positive lyrics, that would be off the wall for us. And we're never going to do that. You know, we're not going to be that band. You know, we, we, we kind of go as far out uh, musically and lyrically to the boundaries as we want to go. And for us, we feel it's, a, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it doesn't sound like the first record or the production's different, this and that. And then, you know, you read reviews where like, well, they really played it safe on this record, nothing new, you know. I don't want it to be like that. I don't. I never wanted to go to the store and buy an ACDC record or a Motorhead record and not have it sound like that. Mm-hmm. Why drive people away from brought, what brought them there in the first place? And the positive lyrics is, is one of those aspects. So you guys have been on tour, and then you're going to start off your North American tour. Now, which which songs or do you guys enjoy from from the new record that you play live and, and performance that gets the crowd going? Which is the one of the ones that are really picking up here uh, when you go live? Well, you know, we we were in Europe before the record came out, and, and the record dropped Friday, and and you know we have been playing um, AD, which. I think that the reaction's not that crazy for it because it's a very thrashy song. Um, it's a great song. It was the first single we released. and and But the thing is, like, in Europe especially, they didn't know the song, you know. So, But uh, after, you know, we were opening with it. So it was a very bold statement to come out and open with a song that wasn't even out yet. But, you know, after we do our first couple songs, we take a break and Jamie speaks to the crowd and says, listen, we have a new record coming out. This is off it. And we do Looking Down the Barrel of Today. They lose their minds, and it has that hatebreed style to it, and it's very good groove. And and we're going to be working um, something's off into the set, and hopefully seven enemies soon. But you know, it's tough now. You've been a band twenty-two years. You got seven studio albums out, an EP, and a cover record. So there you go. Even though our songs are only two, three minutes long, you still now are finding yourself cutting stuff. And we're not, we always wanted to, we always say at every show, and we do this to this day at every show, we play songs off every April record, with the exception of the covers record, which we've been known to do a couple of those. But for the most part, you're getting songs from every record. We want to keep everybody happy with that. You know, we're not Iron Maiden, we're going to come out and kill you for it with half the show of new songs. You know, it's just not, we're not that kind of band. A band like that can pull that off. We're, we're not that kind of band. So um, I think that uh, three at the most of the new record in one show is plenty, especially when you're talking about people want to hear Perseverance, people want to hear I Will Be Heard, people want to hear Live For This, they want to hear Nash's, you know, Destroy Everything, To The Threshold, all these songs that you really have to play during the set. But one thing that I always try to tell people in interviews and the fans when I meet them that's very special about Hate Breed is we don't use a set list at all. Oh. Jamie has a list of songs on the drum riser. This is the only sheet that's on stage. He has a list of songs on the drum riser that I myself personally write up every day and put on the drum riser, and it's 45 to 50 hate breed songs that any of us can play on the drop of a dime. And he just starts shouting them out. When we go out on stage, we decide what the first song's gonna be, and that's it. After that, everyone else in the band has no idea what the next song is. And he just gauges the crowd, sees, here's what they wanted. Hey, you wanna hear this song? Okay, chances are we can play it. Or they really know this record here, they wanna hear this record, we hit it, hit them, we'll hit them heavy with that. So it's awesome. And I really wish that uh, all my favorite fans did that. Yeah. But unfortunately, when I go, most of them are playing the same songs over and over. So it's it's great. It gives the fans something to talk about. If they happen to travel uh, to multiple shows, they're getting a different set every night. And for us, after we've been doing this for so long, it keeps it fun still, you know? Yeah, it definitely gives you something and you never know what to expect, which is like, great because when you see the set list, you're like, ah, oh, they're going to open up with this, they're going to close with that. So it gives you already a preview of what's going to happen when you see it, you know, with the, the spoilers that's out there on, uh, on the yeah, net. Yeah, it's a no-spoiler set list. So my other question here, of course, Haybeat has been around since the 90s, late 90s or mid-90s, and uh, you joined back in 06. But how have you seen the crowd, especially the pit? You know, has it, has it, has it been getting hardcore hasn't gotten soft with all these security measures how has the vibe been because i remember the during my first hate breed concert man it was just non-stop at Ozfest, brutal 
but you know now with social media, everybody has their phone inside the pit, GoPros inside the pit. It's completely changed. I think that there's a lot of things to take into consideration, and one of those is that our core fans are older now. You know, uh, when we go to do headlining shows, most of the people there are in their 30s or higher. So, um, and that's why we try to go out. We just did the Empiricon Festival in in Europe and the UK, and and we took out Bless the Fall, Immur, Despised Icon, uh, Barry Tomorrow, uh, Eskimo Cowboy, like all these young young bands. It's something that we learned from Slayer. You have to keep yourself current. You have to take the younger kids out and, and even bite the bullet sometimes if, if, if it's, you know, all, all, all those kind of kids that are there to see them and they don't really know our band, which is great. You know, I, I think it's great to be 22 years in the game and, and, and still, um, still be um, able to play in front of people that are like, oh, I, didn't, I, know, I know the name. I never, you know, really paid attention, you know. Um, but as far as the pitch concerned, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was. At, see, the thing about Hatebreed is a lot of people back in the day, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, like, Hatebreed was their exposure to the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. On things like Ozfest, there was no band like Hatebreed when, when a band like Hatebreed first got on Ozfest. The Hatebreed opened the door for, and I say this, uh, Confidently, because this is way before my time in the band. I was an integrity and ringworm and terror when all when they were doing their thing coming up. So, you know, to to see it as a friend and a fan, um, this was these people's first taste of this kind of music and this kind of pitting and this kind of aggressive uh, music, if you will. So, I think that after that, you know, a Hatebreed opened the floodgates. You see Walls of Jericho and Barry Your Dead and all these bands on Ozfest after that and Mayhem Fest, of course. But Hatebreed, I think, was people's first taste of that. And that's why the pits were so brutal. You know, you had the kids that knew what was up that were out there wrecking people, and then you had the younger people that wanted to be a part of it, and a lot of times that they, they caused fights and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like that. Uh, I don't think it's as crazy as it is anymore. There's a lot of things to take into consideration. You know, it's just the different times now. And like you said, it's uh, everyone has their phones, even GoPros. And, and, and it's just uh, our fan base has gotten older as well, too. You know, people are, aren't are I, I sure as hell aren't down to get in, get in, uh, get in there uh, anymore. You know, I, I don't need uh, to, to break my hand. Like so. But looking back, I mean, it's just crazy. I remember one, it was actually here in West Palm Beach or in Ozfest. You know, people were ripping their grass and it was raining and people were... It was like a like a slope, so people were sliding down into the pit while it was raining. Hate was on. I mean, it was just crazy times. And obviously, you don't. You, it doesn't. It's not like that anymore. Well, you know, I mean, if they want to get like that, let them get like that. We <laughs> want everybody to leave with a smile on their face. If you want to go punch each other in the head, go ahead and do it. But to go home with a smile on your face. You know what I mean? Don't don't uh, don't go out on the stretcher. You know, that's somebody's father or that's somebody's son. Mm-hmm. You know, or even somebody's mother or something like that. So you you have to take that in consideration. You know, you don't you don't want to see all that. But um, you know, hate breed is uh, positive aggression, if you will. You talk about new bands, any new favorites, or anyone anyone that you want to uh, advise that we should look out for that uh, you see you have a good eye for. So I think this is going to be uh, the future here. Well, in, in the punk world, I really like Nightbirds, and I think that um, Cyanide Pills are good bands. Um, Broken Teeth is a hardcore band that I kind of uh, suggest people pay attention to. They're they're from the UK. They're very good. They're on the same label as us, Nuclear Blast. And um, I don't know. There there's bands still playing, and 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 you see like uh, I think it was what Code Orange and Turnstile got signed to Roadrunner. So so I mean, you know, it's. It's out there. You just got to pay attention to it and, and, and check the bands out, you know, um, and keep supporting them. You know, I know Code Orange is out with Deftones right now, and all, almost all those shirts are sold out, so good for them. But, um, you know, it's there's there's always young bands coming up. You just got to get out and get to the shows and support them and keep, keep it going, you know. I think there's no reason to divide or, you know, have seven different scenes within one scene I think you gotta go out and, and like all of it and keep an open mind really and, and Frank one thing about you is when, when you're not on stage with the rest of the Hey B members you're, you're in Disney World you vacation a lot out there <laughs> it's very funny I just got home from Europe 
um, on uh, last Sunday, and I had to go fly out to tour uh, in Cleveland on Friday, which is where the tour was starting. Um, and that's my hometown, actually. <laughs> I can tell my, my, my girl and my son, I said, let's just go to Disney the whole time. I don't even need to go home. How was it? <laughs> so we did, you know, so I was there all week and I enjoy the Florida weather. I, I'm a, I, you know, I moved down here from Cleveland and I, uh, I like the heat and, and I hate when people that live in Florida talk trash about it because just move if you don't like the heat. You know what I mean? Like if you have the opportunity to do that, I like it. Uh, my morale is up way more when the sun, the sun is shining every day. And, and I enjoy college football. I'm a big Gators fan. Oh, and I, I try to make try try to make it out to Tampa Bay Rays games, and I enjoy the beach, and I love fishing. And, and, and Florida's got plenty of things that uh, um, got my attention down here. And I'm very happy that I live down here. I'm a proud Florida resident. And again, I hope that we're going to be able to come back and uh, do a bunch of shows and. Hopefully Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, and of course South Florida. I get back down there to Revolution, hopefully, and play for all you guys. I also, Frank, one thing, I know you're a big Broncos fan, so what do you, do you expect this coming season? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't because I would have told you last year we weren't going to win. You know, mm-hmm. a couple years ago when, when we had Manning and, and he was good and, and the defense wasn't so good, I thought that was our year. You know, I really thought the Carolina, and I'm, I'm sure everybody else thought so too. Mm-hmm that Carolina was going to whoop Denver in the Super Bowl. And we won, you know, and it was a great thing. I got to experience it with my son for the first time, and he's a fan, and it was awesome. And I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And I tell you I tell you what, I, I love sports. I, I go to NASCAR races. I go to baseball games. I go to college football games. I, lo- I love the NBA. I, uh, I don't pay attention to anything that goes on in the offseason until the season starts because there's always other stuff going on. Right now the NASCAR's going, the baseball's going, the hockey playoffs. The hockey playoffs are doing going now. The the, the Lightning's doing well, and um, you know you have um, you have the NBA playoffs. So I can't concern myself with football, especially when I'm going overseas. It's hard enough to even watch one game, <laughs> let alone fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I uh, I will see what happens. You know, I always worry about it when preseason starts, and then I start thinking about all right, what do we have to work with here? So I think that uh, I know, it's just the way I am. You know, some people are like, do you hear what happened? Do you hear what happened? I'm like, no, I didn't hear what happened. I, I don't care, you know. But, you know, it, it's 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 fun when your team wins, and it's fun to, you know, and I know I know a lot of people are, especially like in music and stuff, they don't like sports, and, and I get it. You know, we all like what we like. But, uh, you know, it's a big part of my life, and I enjoy doing it and watching it when I'm, when I'm home, so. Well, Frank, I want to thank you so much for your time. Pick up the record right now. Hey, breathe the concrete confessional. And again, I'm hoping you guys come down here to South Florida somehow, some way you work it in your schedules because we need a little hay breed in us. Well, and that's the thing about hay breed. We, 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 we've come to Florida on every record. and There's no way we're not going to come back to Florida on this record. You guys just have to wait and sit tight. Unfortunately, for the first leg of this tour, we're not hitting Florida. You know, and all of our complaints were coming from Florida and Michigan. So... And uh, now Michigan has a festival that, that they they got going on. And, and so I know we did Welcome to Rockville last year. But, you know, we definitely, definitely are going to come back to Florida and, and hit it hard on this record. So it's only a matter of time. Sit tight, everybody. We appreciate the support. And uh, check the new record out if you haven't yet. And th- thank you guys for the interview. Thank you, Frank. And pick it up right now. Right now it's on right now as we speak on iTunes and the other uh, areas you could purchase it. The Concrete Confession. Pick it up and check them out on tour. Hey, Breed, check out the Roman Show website, theromanshow.com, for more information. Thanks so much, Frank. You got it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And now, it's time to give you a reality check. Welcome uh, back to the Roman Show. That was Frank Novinick of the Hey, Breed. Make sure to pick up the album, The Concrete Confessional, out right now. And make sure to visit our YouTube channel. We have an exclusive interview with Mike of Red Sun Rising right there on our YouTube channel. Also, Trivium. We caught up with them at Fort Rock, the Fort Rock Festival, which took place earlier this month. And check out for more interviews coming up in the Roman Show, including from members of Nonpoint and several other bands. And here we also like to talk about metal, rock, and so much more. What's your favorite band, George? Of all time. You can never go wrong. 
you can. Uh, like if, if we're going down that route, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you have to tell me current, man, that's a tough one <laughs> because there's so many great, great bands out there. Like the the hate breed, you know. They, uh, the man. Well, that's over for next week. Let's go ahead. <laughs> let's go ahead and follow up here on a reality check. Obviously, Monday Night Raw. Uh, the Golden Truth finally reunited after a five-month tease. They finally got together, and uh, they finished Monday Night Raw with Natalia and Charlotte signing the contract for the the bout, which is pretty cool. You know, you got the women there main eventing or closing off the show, which is a great deal. And now, George, the, the big talk is here: the Vince McMahon apparently is losing face in Roman Reigns, the WWE champion. Of course, he's fighting. Where he's wrestling uh, AJ Styles at Extreme Rules in an Extreme Match, but it seems that he is losing faith, and especially now with the return of John Cena, Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, they're they're coming up after recovering uh, after their injuries. But what is what is what do you see the future for Roman Reigns uh, as he's not the bad guy, the good guy, but the guy according to him? Hmm. Well, the the. <laughs> The, the thing is, and here I'm trying to read on some reports as far as uh, last night's Monday Night Raw is concerned, um, and also going into the world of wrestling, actually, right now, too. And, and I'm sorry, I got cut off uh, uh, by reading uh, this information that uh, that I'm reading, actually, some of the things that you sh- you will definitely be interested to find out once I, I, I announce it. But uh, what was your question again? Because I, I'm reading into a very, very, very... What what is the future of Roman Reigns? Is he going to be continue being the champion? I mean, how sweet would it be if we were to see AJ Styles out of nowhere actually win the title? How cool would that be? Well, listen, Mr. Roman, like, uh, man, I'm sorry. It's just that this story is too big to not to uh, to to ignore. Anyway, let me try to answer your question. Uh, basically, the point is is that Mr. Roman, the the issue is is that Roman Reigns, whether we like it or not, is going to be a long-term champion. Okay? He's going to be a, one of those long-term. I'm not saying it's going to be a year. God hoping, hopefully not. I'm not saying it's going to be less. <laughs> hopefully. But the fact is I see a long-term reign for Roman Reigns. Why? Because they're finally going to build to the match they originally had built for WrestleMania. And that being Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Personally, I thought it was going to happen. Uh, what I thought was going to happen was Reigns versus Wyatt at WrestleMania at SummerSlam, due to the small buildup they were giving to the Wyatt turning face. But now that with Vince McMahon recently being on a press conference saying that the four major superstars are going to be returning within the next 30 days, what does that tell you? So, I personally see Roman Reigns probably lasting till SummerSlam, That's, this is my prediction, till SummerSlam and losing it to Seth Rollins. Do you think Roman Reigns will ever regain that title ever again? Possibly. But you probably, but you will probably won't see that happen until again next year's WrestleMania. Where personally, I hope that they build up to a dream match of a three-way dance between the Shield, and I'm talking about Seth versus Dean versus Roman, and have Dean win the title. You never know. Yeah. I, I can't really predict that, but you you just can never know. Well, one thing, uh, another subject is. Many have been kind of contemplating on the way that the WWE has booked the club or the Bullet Club, and I'm talking about Gallows, Anderson, and AJ. Uh, they, 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 I mean, I personally like the story. I think it, it's kind of cool the way they're heading it. They're not making them to be as powerful as they were in New Japan, but I kind of like the story with the whole angle of you know the club versus. The Usos and Roman Reigns, the family versus the, the club. I, I think it's a great story the way it's going, to be honest. And you can build so much from it. Hmm. Well, yeah, the the club, like to me, 
<clears throat> you know, obviously they didn't don't have the rights to Bullet Club, so hence known as the club. But personally, I feel like the um, the club could be used better because these this is a team that literally run hell over New Japan, and then all of a sudden they come to the United States and they get destroyed by the Usos. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's like New Japan. Listen, I'm not saying America doesn't have their premier talent because we do, but we're looking at Japan here, okay? Where MMA fighters, where pro wrestlers go to resurrect their careers, and you're gonna tell me that a team that went roughshod over all those premier talents in Japan cannot run roughshod here in America? That it, it makes no sense to me. It's very you know, questionable, yeah, and that that's one thing. It's one thing the way they've used them. I think that they should have had some sort of an NWO-ish type of thing to it. Well, remember, Roman, you don't want to freaking, you know, overdo things, like uh, mimic things, because look what happened to Ryback's career. When he first debuted in the WWE, uh, what did they call him? They called him Goldberg. Okay, so the, the, you you can you literally cannot you know do that same mistake again. You just can't. So they 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 gave them their own separate feel, you know, like their own like this degenerate degenerative uh, you know group mixed with an NWO moniker. And but the thing is, is that whether they gave them that kind of feel or they gave them another. It's still like the the look of them just by being abused by the, the family, the Uso family every week. It's kind of like they're losing their momentum. Yeah, they, they they're making them look very weak. But I will yeah. tell you this: though, Extreme Rules does have some pretty matches that I'm looking forward to, including the Asylum match between Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho. I thought that was a whole cool stipulation, cool uh, gimmick match to have, and then. They've been really boosting up the Charlotte versus um, Natalia match for the women's title. So that's going to be real good. I, I think we got a, a fair share of a pay-per-view this weekend. Yeah, it looks like it. But, you know, when the Asylum match, to me, like, uh, it looks like just your next typical steel cage me telling the cell. <laughs> Basically, you know, it's without the top of the, the, the roof. Exactly. So it's, it, it, to me... It's going to be one of those matches where those two can pull off a great, great story in that cage. Okay, so look at two of the best, you know, that the wrestling world has to offer, you know, to actually pull off a great heated rivalry inside that cage. And I cannot wait to see that match. And then, like how you were saying, the Charlotte and, you know, and, and Natalia match keeps on building up, saying that now even if, if Ric Flair even touches the the aisle, you know, if he even walks down with Charlotte, you know, it, it's, he, Charlotte's going to forfeit the championship. So, yeah, things keep on getting better. So what does the world have, it, what should the world expect out of this match? Who knows? But I cannot wait to watch the pay-per-view. Yes, sir. And then last note, Adam Rose, he is definitely out of the WWE after getting in trouble with the law after allegedly being accused of domestic abuse. And obviously the WWE has no toleration for that. This coming after he was given a suspension for allegedly using uh, PEDs. And therefore, pretty much Adam Rose's career, I would go ahead and said, say, is almost pretty much done, George. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it's sad because he has so much to live by when it comes to the, uh, you know, with his career. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, he, this is what happens when you let, uh, you know, anger get the best of you. There's so much better things that you could do, but... Uh, it is what it is, Mr. Roman. I, I don't like talking about that because it's such a close, close call when it comes to, you know, to Adam because he has so much to live for, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yes, sir. And lastly, I want to finish off. There was a clip of China's documentary released by TMZ. And if you, had, if you guys had an opportunity to see it, we'll, we'll post actually the link here on the show. 
But wow, how sad it was that this lady was living. She was drinking and singing. She was just so confused. Mentally, she was just not there. Uh, a very sad life that uh, the late legendary China lived. And uh, we're going to get to see some of this in this documentary, which soon will be released. And I, I don't know, George. Seeing this documentary is kind of being uh, maniacal, you know, seeing how she lived because... Uh, she was really into uh, troubled times in her personal life, and it, it's actually very sad. I don't, I don't think I want to have an image of her uh, battling with herself. I think I want to just remember her for what she did in the ring. Uh, and again, I already discussed this last week of how people are using the negative onto the death of China. It, it's people. It, it, it's kind of like we get a sick thrill. I was just receiving the negatives over the positives. Guys, stop focusing. She's gone. <laughs> On the, you know what? I'm done. Like the point is, is that I'm sick and tired of hearing all this negativity. Okay, I want to remember her for what she did, for the people she that looked up to her for what she did, and that's it. I don't care for the rest. If you throw something at me as far as negative is concerned, I'm gonna shoot you down. Well, so unless, yeah, that, and I'm done with that. Well, George, that pretty much wraps up this episode of uh, the Roman Show. What's that, Mr. Roman? I do want to announce this. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you've recently got onto uh, your Roman websites, mm -hmm. but there's a breaking news. What's that? There has been a huge sale of the WWE, mm -hmm. which Vince McMahon has sold nearly forty million dollars. In WWE stock. Wow. Huge. Yep, he has, he's actually sold over 2 million shares, which is 2.8% of the WWE today. And now Vince is only 50% owner of the WWE, while other shareholders are the other 50% uh, owners. That is ridiculous. Wow. There you go. The people have power. People power since... Most of the public now owns half of the company. Yep. So it, it, this is absolutely ridiculous. I, I, who knows what's going to happen now? Very interesting. Well, we we, we might see an AJ style of the champion if the people are asking for it because now the stock, half of it, belongs to the public. It's, uh, it's going to be definitely interesting. But, George, thanks so much again. And, uh, again, follow us on social media at The Roman Show on Twitter. Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Roman Show Media, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash rromano201, where we have exclusive interviews right there, and you can check it out anytime you want. Over 2 million views and over 300 interviews that we have on our YouTube channel. Quite, quite, quite amazing, man. George, thanks so much, man. If you haven't been on, you haven't heard, we'll catch you right here on The Roman Show. Our guest, Abdiel Velasquez, who fights on the upcoming Titan FC. Fight card. Till next week.